Hello, Adam here. Matt's with me as well. Hi. You probably know already because you probably already listened to part one, but this is part two of Cinderella. And in this episode, we're going to do a deep dive on the story of the story of Cinderella. So last time in part one, we read the story and had a discussion. And this time we'll be looking at the literary origins of Cinderella, uh, tracing it through history and trying to work out where it comes from originally. It's all very mysterious and Hmm. exciting. Well, keep listening to find out the answer. Or do we find out the answer? Stop teasing them with that. (laughs) I'm going to stop teasing. On with the show. Enjoy. Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading, Cinderella, part two. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a Grim Reading. Arguably, Cinderella is the most famous fairy tale in the world mm. ever. We could argue that. We could. We could argue that all night. Yeah. We're not, let's let's not. just take it as read. Yeah. Okay. Let's just all agree. Yeah. And it's a. Uh, it is indeed a popular story found all over the world in oral folklore. Okay. So we find it popping up everywhere. Yeah. Uh, since the early days of the discipline of uh, folkloristics. Mm-hmm. Scholars and collectors have been fascinated by this story. There's even a book from 1893 called Cinderella 345 Variants. Whoa. So even like well over 100 years ago, yeah, they collected that many and analyzed them. But since then, there have been thousands of recorded versions uh-huh. of this story. Folklorist Joseph Jacobs even tried to create a complete European one by merging hundreds of versions into a story he called The Cinder Maid. This, that sounds a bit ambitious to me. He's an ambitious guy. <laughs> but categorising Cinderella, like mm. what is Cinderella, is actually oddly tricky. Mm. Um, and we'll get, we'll get into that in, a bit later. Yeah. And like sort of what's the, the secret magic of the story. But one common way of looking at it is that it's the original rags to riches story. As mentioned, she goes from the lowest to the highest. I literally, earlier... Yeah. When we were discussing this, had that exact thought and I didn't say it. Oh, I think I'm so annoyed I didn't say it. I was thinking <laughs> it's literally a rags to riches story. Yeah. It's the rags to riches story. It really is, isn't it? And then you throw in there some complex family dynamics. Yeah. A love story, you know, quotes. A little bit of psychopathy. There's a recipe for success. Yeah. This is going to be a popular story. <laughs> oh, naturally. Um, but anyway, for now, Adam, let's follow her path through the written record up to the Grimm's. Fantastic. The history of the story on the page, if that makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah, so it's an, it's an oral folk story, Cinderella, yeah. but every now and then we, we get evidence of it in writing throughout history. Tell you what doesn't quite make sense to me yet. Yeah. Maybe you can explain. You said the Grimm's stitched together three stories yeah. to make this. So when you say there are thousands of versions of Cinderella, what do you mean? Do you mean, like, are there loads of versions of those three strands that they've knitted together or are they just loads of versions of this story? The latter. I think I was thinking they sort of 
created the story of Cinderella by fusing together three different elements of different stories. That's not what happened. Oh, no, Adam, that's not what happened. That's definitely not what happened. Fact, let me show you what happened. Oh, okay. Are we starting the journey? We're starting the journey. Oh, Strap I'm in, excited. my friend. Okay, I'm strapped in. The story of the story. We're going to start way back when. Oh. This is going to be a long journey. There's a glimmer of mm-hmm. Cinderella to be found in the ancient world. A blinding glimmer, to be fair. So if you come with me, Adam, back sometime between the 1st century BC and the 1st century AD, the Greek geographer and philosopher Strabo, Strabo recounted a story that may ring a bell or two. We're going back to ancient Greece. So Strabo, uh, he writes, how uh, the Egyptians tell the fabulous story of Rhodopis. Rhodopis! Rhodopis, as uh, Strabo heard from uh, the Egyptians, mm. uh, the story of her, she was bathing uh, one day and an eagle snatched up her sandal and flew to Memphis, Egypt. <laughs> not, not Tennessee. Not Tennessee. <laughs> Uh, the king there was administering justice, you know, as a king does. Yeah. And the eagle dropped the sandal and it fell in his lap. And he so admired it that he sent men to find the owner, saying that he'd marry whoever it belonged to. <laughs> okay, that makes no sense. That is a really nice sandal. Man, I love that sandal. <laughs> <laughs> he's prepared to base the decision of his life, who he's going to spend the rest of his life with based on the quality of sandal that she wears. I think it also said that he took it as a sign or something. He was so like, okay, like this must mean something. Right, right, right. I just, I left that part. It wasn't just such a beautiful sandal. He had to marry it. Anyway, his men, they found her in uh, Naucratis. Uh, Is this your shoe? She's like, yeah, it is actually. And then she married the king of Memphis. (laughs) The king of Memphis. (laughs) Sorry. Um, That story is found in Strabo's work, Geographica which is a kind of uh, geographical encyclopedia that he wrote, as I say, sometime between 1st century BC and the 1st century AD. Okay. In the 1st century AD, another writer, Aelian, mentions the story as well. So it's the same story as found in another work slightly yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's our earliest surfacing there of a story Cinderella-esque a good 2,000 years ago. Wow. And you can you can see that, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's very clear parallel. Very specifically, the shoe yeah. part of the story. Yeah, yeah. And she married Elvis. <laughs> but for the first real Cinderella, the earliest datable record, we have to fly across the world and 800 years forward from Strabo. Adam, meet Yesien from Tang Dynasty, China. Oh. In the 1930s, Western academics first took note of the tale Ye Xian, I think that's how you pronounce it, <laughs> a story found in a book called Miscellaneous Morsels from Yu Yang, published in 850 AD wow. by the Chinese poet Duan Zhengxi. Now, I've actually mentioned this before in Have our you? Thousand Furs episode. Oh, boy, now you're... But don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't remember. We'll talk about Thousand Furs in a little bit. Okay. Very keen listeners might have been expecting that. I made some seriously bold statements in Thousand Furs that I'm going to have to undo tonight. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) I cannot wait for that. Yes, Yen. Yes, Yen. Her father is a chief. He died. 
Uh, unfortunately, Yes Yen's mum died beforehand, so now she's living in the household of uh, his second wife and daughter, which is Yes Yen's half sister. Basically, the chief had two wives. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they treated Yes Yen really badly, mm. and Yes Yen befriends a fish. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is her mother reincarnated. Oh, okay. Stepmom and half sister find out about this. They kill the fish. What? Her friend, the fish. Her mum, the fish. Her mum, friend, the fish. <laughs> yes, yeah, and she takes the bones of the fish. Uh, oh, dear, and, what's she going to do with them? Well, I don't, didn't write it down. But, but <laughs> essentially, they give her amazing clothes, and she goes to a festival. Wait, who get the bones? The bones give her clothes. Yep. Uh, stepmom and stepsister and half-sister notice that she's at the festival. She flees, uh, but loses a golden shoe. Oh, sounds familiar. A local warlord finds the shoe. Uh, yeah, is the only one it fits, and they get married. Yeah, and the mum and sister are killed in a cave collapse. <laughs> <laughs> I, you made me laugh at a cave collapse, man. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> what? Um, okay. Well, there are other versions recorded with different endings, right. um, and one of them has like another chapter where the husband then tries to use the fish bones uh, for his own ends. Oh but but that that's the first version we have from 850 AD. Wow. So yeah, that's from 9th century China, and it's the first recorded Cinderella. That's like quite obviously Cinderella, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. wow. It's got several elements there. Absolutely nuts as well. Absolutely nuts. <laughs> well, as we'll see, we'll see in a bit that it's actually quite hard to... Well, there are different ways of classifying Cinderella. But okay. as you say, very strikingly oh, similar. Yes, very much so. So there she is in China. Yeah. Uh, then Cinderella goes underground for a few centuries. Oh, okay. Um, What's she doing down there? Well, she we don't know, but she pops up a few times in medieval and early modern Europe oh. thereafter. So we get a few rumblings of, uh, of her. Uh, okay. A 12th century French medieval romance called The Ash Tree Girl, which has echoes of Cinderella. Oh. Ash Tree Girl. But I mean, like an ash tree. Yeah, wow. But also the ash. Oh, right. So Ooh. many levels. Uh, there's a sermon from 1501 in Strasbourg, which okay. made reference to the tale that we have recorded. Oh, wow. Then in 1558 in France, a story appeared called of a young girl nicknamed Asshide and how she got married with the help of little ants, which has uh, serious Cinderella elements in it. Asshide? But Adam, forget Asshide. We really get our first proper fairy tale, folk tale, Cinderella edition with an old friend... You know where this is going? Oh, I hope I do. <laughs> we know him. We yeah. love him. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for Giambattista Basile. Oh, Giambattista Basile. A.K.A. the naughty Neapolitan. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, I'm excited about this. We get our first proper fairy tale Cinderella in 17th century Naples. Yeah. With Basile's story, La Gatta Cenerentola. Okay. Oft translated as the Cinderella cat. The Cinderella cat? The Cinderella cat. What's... Cinderella's a cat? Well, okay, look, we're going to get to the story. Okay. You cannot have piqued my interest more. Quick refresh. Okay. Basile, Giambattista Basile, he's the author of one of Europe's oldest fairy tale collections, the Pentamarone, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. Cunto delle Cunte, or in English, The Tale of Tales. Mm. Published posthumously in Naples between 1634 and 1636, Jacob Grimm wrote the introduction to the first ever German translation of the Tale of Tales, 
So the Grimm's were fans Big of fan. this, this yeah. book. And they were often surprised at how similar the stories in it were with the ones that they'd collected in Germany. Right. You want to hear the Cinderella cat? Um, yes. It's the honest answer. <laughs> I'm so excited. Is that definitely what it's translated to? Yeah. Legata Genarentola. A prince has a daughter called Zezola. Zezola. Wife dies, he remarries. Zezola hates her new stepmother and says to her governess, oh, I wish you were my mum instead. I hate my new stepmom. Oh, wow. So the governess gets this idea into her head and hatches a plan. She says, Zezola, ask your stepmother to look for something in the chest and you'll have to hold up the lid. And when she's stretching in, slam the lid down and you'll break her neck. Oh, juniper tree vibes. Bingo. Then tell your father that you want him to marry me. That'll make you happy. So uh, Zezula does that, and it all goes to plan. her stepmom. Well, snaps her neck. Oh, okay, right. Kills her stepmother. <laughs> it's already off to a great, great start. <laughs> Love it already. However, so, you know, should be good now, but... Yeah, should be golden. Once the governess is married to the prince, she says, Oh, by the way, these are my six existing daughters. Oh, out of the frying pan into the fire. Zezula gets cast down and becomes the Cinderella cat. <laughs> what? Okay, what? No idea. <laughs> anyway, some birds tell her that the fairy of Sardinia will give you what you need, Cinderella. She thinks, well, that's no good. I'm in Naples. Uh, fortunately, though, one day her dad is going on a business trip to Sardinia. Nice. And he asks them all what they'd like, all the six, seven daughters. And he asks Zezula almost as a joke. You know, I'll yeah. ask her what she wants. And Zezula says, ask the fairy of Sardinia to give me something. And if you don't, you're in trouble, dad. And the Ooh. father says, okay, dear, okay. <laughs> Whatever. And he completely forgets. Yeah. And he sails to Sardinia, does his business. He's trying to sail home, but the ship won't leave the harbor. Uh-oh. And the captain of the ship, in a dream one night, a fairy tells him what's happened. He tells the father. The father's like, oh, yeah. I've got to go talk to the fairy of Sardinia. Oh, uh, now he remembers. <laughs> so he goes to the fairy of Sardinia. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Are you enjoying this? Yeah. And she says, hello. Uh, she didn't say that. <laughs> hello. How can I help you today? I'm literally making it longer than it needs to be. <laughs> Did you find everything you're looking for? Well, she gives him a tree. D- okay. Well, she gives him a date tree mm-hmm. and some gardening tools to look after it. Nice. Uh, anyway, then the ship sails home. Uh, Zezula gets the tree. She grows the tree, and the tree says, "Like it turns into a fairy, (laughs) turns into a fairy, and says, I 'I'm going to help you with whatever you need.' Nice. Anyway, feast day arrives. (laughs) Feast day. We're on feast day. The tree then produces like servants and ladies and waiting, and she gets all doled up. (laughs) Nice. Um, Then it's the same as the Grimm's. Uh, You know, she dances with the king and runs away in the evening. Yeah. He doesn't chase her, though. He gets his servant to chase her. Okay. But she throws money and jewels behind her on the floor to distract him. <laughs> and every time he gets like, ooh, and he picks up the money and she's gone. Like a video game. And the king's like, ah! Anyway, third time, she drops her Chianiello, which is a kind of shoe cover. Shoe cover? It's an overshoe made of cork that was designed to like keep your dress and feet from getting dirty. And it was very fashionable in the period in oh, Naples. Oh, interesting. So the servant takes it to the king, and the king is impressed. <laughs> Why is he impressed with a cork overshoe? Because, Adam, as he says, 
If the foundations are so beautiful, what must the house be like? Oh, that's weird. That's Bazili. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the king orders all the women to come to court. Nothing works. No, it doesn't fit anybody. Mm. Uh, so he says, okay, everybody come back tomorrow. But I really mean all the women. And the, the prince, the dad of uh, Cinderella, says, well, I've got my daughter, Zezela, but she's a syndicate, really. Yeah. And the king says, all the women. Yeah. And next day, Zezela appears and the shoe cover flies out of his hand onto the shoe. He's <laughs> <laughs> sensed it's right for Lona. Nice. And happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> onto Whoa. The story ends. The yep. sisters cursed. The, the evil sisters cursed, confessing that those who oppose the stars are crazy. Wait. What? That's Basile's moral. You can't stop fate. Oh, okay. Basile often just sort of shoehorns in a very uh, ill-fitting moral. Yeah, <laughs> to the end. just a complete non sequitur. But okay. So there's two things unusual here in mm. Cinderella's stories. Cinderella's a murderer. Wow, yeah. She murders her first stepmom and breaks her right, neck. At the beginning of the story, amazing. Uh, and then also the ship not leaving the harbour because of a broken promise. Yeah. That is a trope in storytelling, and it does actually appear in another grim story, but not one that we've heard yet. Oh, interesting. But I think for me, the best part is the shoe flying out of her hands. Amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> like a little homing pigeon. Exactly. Homing shoe cover. So, very Cinderella-like, that story. Oh, incredibly Cinderella-like. And that's considered the first proper European fairy tale account of Cinderella. Right. Yeah. In the Cinder 1600s. Mm-hmm. So, Cindercat was just a nickname. She wasn't actually a cat. That's just, I can't deny that's a slight disappointment. You're hoping she was an actual cat? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I mean... <laughs> trying to work out the implications of that. I don't know. I, don't, I hadn't even thought that far ahead. was great i loved it mm. um it's fairly tame for Basile. it is there's nothing bawdy in there or ribald never forget sheba <laughs> we've had so many good years of Basile. <laughs> we really have he's been so good to us <laughs> um so yeah cenerentola she's called cenerentola there's the cinderella cat apparently that word comes from cenere meaning ash so again Okay, so it's similar to the German, yeah. And again, it's connected to servants and lowly types would be covered in ash from working in, and, and living in terrible conditions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks, Basile. Loved it. Yeah, thank you, Basile. Always a pleasure. But it's time to move on. Uh, let's fast forward, Adam, mm. 60 years later oh. and hop over the border to France where another chap takes up the mantle. Quite a familiar trajectory we're on here it is any ideas who we might be uh meeting here it's our last famous story adam we've come this far you must know we've reached france yeah you're looking blank is it 
Perot. Of course it's Perot. In 1697, okay. the landmark foundational fairy tale collection arrives. Stories or tales from past times with morals, a.k.a. Mother Goose Tales, by Charles Perrault, who we know very well. Yes. This is a well-worn path. Yeah. But for anyone who might not know, Charles was a regular at the court of King Louis XIV, where he built an illustrious career and fortune, but he's best remembered for his fairy tales, including Sleeping Beauty, Red Riding Hood, Bluebeard, and Centurion ou la petite pantoufle de verre. Okay. Cinderella or the little glass slipper. (gasps) Matt. Yeah. We've got a glass slipper. We've got a glass slipper. We've got a glass slipper. Adam, this is the Cinderella. Right. This is the one you thought you were going to hear tonight. That's so... uh, Okay, has this happened before? Where in one of the other tales where there's a big Disney version, the Disney version that we're familiar with actually has a lot of details from the French version that's not, yeah. that, is, that aren't present in the uh, German Brothers Grimm version. That's De- happened before, hasn't it? Definitely. I think Sleeping Beauty, Disney specifically says in the credits that it's based on the Perrault version. That was it. But it actually, when we looked at it, it was more based on the Grimm one. Okay. Because the Grimm one had details like the kiss of Sleeping Beauty that wasn't actually in the Perrault uh, Okay. However, here... It, it really is. Really is, yeah. Yeah. Properly based on the one. Mm. So it's got the glass slipper. Yeah. Wait, are we how, I don't know what we're gonna hear, but I was <gasps> just I was jumping ahead. Adam, calm down. Okay, I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm gonna do a very like super quick recap. Okay. But you're gonna you're gonna find out. Okay. Okay, I'm excited. Cendron ou le petit pantoufle de verre. Okay, similar premise to the Grim. Yeah. Dad remarried, nasty stepmom, two nasty stepsisters. Yeah. She's cast low and called Cinderella, or Centrion. Ball is happening. Thrown by the hot young prince. Yeah. Everyone's talking about it. Cinderella's fairy godmother. Hey, come on. I've forgotten about that. She sees that Cinders is upset that she can't go. And she said, I'm going to help you out. Uh, she said, go get me a pumpkin from the garden. Hello. Cinders brings in the pumpkin. Yep. Godmother turns into a golden coach. Likewise, she turns six mice into six horses. Yep. As you yeah, mentioned. Yeah. A rat into a coachman. Right. And six yeah. lizards into footmen. I'd forgotten about the lizards. Uh, then she decked uh, cinders in a ball gown and glass slippers. Yes. And she said, have a great time, kiddo. But be warned, at midnight, they're all going to turn back. Come on, this is the story we all know. So anyway, she goes to the ball, has a great ball. Yeah. Has a ball. She has a ball at the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she goes back for part two the next day. And she's having such a blast that she thinks it can only be 11 o'clock. But then the clock strikes 12. No. She makes a run for it. Yeah. But she loses, she manages to escape, but she loses one of her glass slippers. Yeah. Then, you know, everything happens as you expect. Yeah. The shoe fits her. Hooray. She marries the, the prince. And she was so good that she invited her stepsisters to live at court with her, her evil stepsisters. Yeah. And she married them off to two fine gentlemen of the court. Oh, so it's got a nice, kind ending. Yes. No blinding. No blinding in this uh, one. Okay, interesting. And we also get two morals at the end. Oh. Added by Charles Perrault. 
So this is what Charles Perrault thinks we ought to be getting from okay. this story. I can't wait to learn some moral wisdom from Charles Perrault. And as ever, they're rhyming morals. Oh, fantastic. The best kind. Yeah. Though beauty's a treasure that women desire, for everyone's fond of a pretty young face, Cinderella had gifts with a value much higher, as she showed in behaving with charm and with grace. Nice. Some say... <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. Moral. Some say, when they're asked what this story might mean, that these gifts were the gifts that her godmother gave. Cinderella had learned from her how to behave with such grace and such charm that it made her a queen. Young ladies, in quest of a prince, you'll discover that in winning and keeping the heart of a lover, these gifts from the fairies are always the best and count much more than the way that you're dressed. For with them you'll get what you're after with ease, but without them whatever you do will displease. That's moral number one. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Do you want moral number two or should we analyze moral number one? Let's just analyze moral number one. That is in a very roundabout, flowery way, saying... It's not about how well you dress, it's about comely qualities. Yeah. A good character is worth so much more than good looks. Even though that's not remotely what the story says. No. Because it's the fact that she got all dressed up all nice. Yeah, yeah. That won the prince's heart. Yeah. He didn't fall in love with her when she's covered in soot. Yeah. Yeah. Right, rejected moral. Next moral. Yeah, next one. Let's hope we've got better things here. You have great advantage, I admit. If you receive... (laughs) If you... (laughs) You don't know me. Charles. If you receive from heaven at your birth good breeding, courage, sense, a ready wit, and and other things of comparable worth. But that is not enough, unless you know how best to use such precious gifts... You need a godfather or godmother to show what you must do in order to succeed. The moral there is have a godfather or mother. Yeah, have guidance. You, okay. You can have all the advantages in the world, but you need good counsel. Good counsel, yeah. True, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's, good, it's good to have good guidance in life. Oh, we'll take it, Charles. We'll take yeah. it. Yeah, take that over moral one. Yeah. But again, like, like Basile... Just completely unnecessary morals thrown in at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't actually need them. No. The story can just speak for itself. Yeah. I mean, that is the Cinderella, right? It really is. All of the hallmarks I had in my head were there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these famous fairy tales do have a French quality to them, don't they? Like Cinderella. Like Sleeping Beauty, I guess. I mean... I'm I'm going away off on a tangent here, but weren't some fairy tales considered a bit too French for the Grimm's? Yeah, and maybe his version of Cinderella was. Well, they'd never good. use uh, Perrault as a source; they'd no. only use Germans. German as a folk, like folk tales. Yeah. yeah, and I suppose this one di- differed enough from the Perrault one. Yeah, for them to feel it sufficiently German. Yeah. But yeah, you're totally right. Like they would often reject stories out of hand because they're like it's too French. Yeah. Especially as, as as we know, they were partially writing their collection in opposition to French occupation because yeah. Napoleon had invaded yeah, yeah, yeah. and was ruling, uh, you know, what later became Germany. Yeah. But this story, yeah, I suppose was sufficiently different. But this one, yeah, adds the coach, yeah, the mice, all that business, yeah. the fairy godmother, which I'd totally forgotten about. But you're so right. The midnight deadline. Midnight deadline. The glass slipper. The glass slipper. And this is unique to Perot in his edition compared to the Grimm's and, and Basile. 
and of course Perot is he's penning folk stories that he knows and to what extent he's authoring it himself or repeating what he has heard before it's actually quite hard to say yeah there was a strand of thought that Perot misunderstood Ver, V-A-I-R, Ver, an obsolete term for fur. They oh. think he might have misunderstood that as Ver, V-E-R-R-E, meaning glass. So a fur slipper. Which sounds infinitely more comfortable. And this was an idea that gained substantial currency, but... Modern scholars dismiss that notion. Okay. They say that it was meant to be it fair. Was, oh, glass. Glass. Right, okay. And actually, there are examples of a glass shoe in the oral tradition. Not many, but some. Uh, Walt Disney, apparently, he heard this idea that it was meant to be fur, and uh, Perot right. got confused, but he decided to stick with glass. I wisely. think it's more cinematic, yeah. Well, the folklorists Iona and Peter Oppie, uh, they write that, Perot saw the genius of the glass in that the size can't be altered. Uh, right, yeah. Whereas, you know, you could stretch a yeah, uh, sure. slipper. Yeah. Uh, and also that you can see the foot going into oh, that's good. the shoe. <gasps> can you imagine if the um, sisters from the German Brothers Grimm version tried their little trick in a glass slipper? You'd see oh. that straight away. Oh, that's grisly. <laughs> that's grisly. <laughs> But ultimately, the point is not the material. Yeah. That's kind of superficial. The point is that it creates the condition for the test. Yeah. To test the true beauty, who's fit to be elevated, to be queen and succeed. That's what's important about the shoe. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's Perot's version. Uh, way less brutal. Uh, got mm. some lovely details in there, the godmother and the pumpkin and all that. And as already mentioned, this is the version Disney heavily drew on. Which you can see why. Yeah, it's it, got Disney written all over it. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> so many details. And you couldn't have shown <laughs> a Disney version of the Brothers Grimm version. I would like to see that, though. Oh, yeah. Well, and consequently, it's Perot's flavour of Cinderella mm. that has come to reside in the popular imagination. Yeah. But actually, as we've seen elsewhere, Perot has really shaped the modern interpretation of fairy tales. If you remember, he added... The Red Hood to Little Red Riding Hood. Right, yeah. I remember that, yeah. No Red Hood before. Yeah. He added boots to Puss in Boots. These are iconic. Cat didn't even have boots before Perot. It was just Puss. And here he's added the pumpkin and the glass slippers sort of in Cinderella. And then, of course, that's all magnified by his influence on Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there we have it. I mean, the next big landmark one is then the Grimm's Aschenputl. Mm. Aschenput in 1812 and then we get a bazillion versions thereafter it's been played with and subverted and reimagined in uh, countless ways mm. the latest one I've seen is Taylor Swift's video for Bejeweled the ninth track on her 2022 album Midnight's available now oh that, her latest one okay yeah there's a little video she wrote and directed the video where she's a kind of Cinderella character Nice. And does that follow the Perot version? Or no, well, it's it's Taylor's version. Oh, okay. It's That's an thing. excellent Taylor Swift joke, by the way. I'm ignorant with these things. <laughs> I'm so pleased with myself. <laughs> oh, I'm right in my head.
obviously that's a very potted history and there are other examples of Cinderella on the page, but those are the sort of main ones, the yeah, the standout ones. Um, but yeah, that's Cinderella on the page, essentially, throughout history. I mean, we journeyed a lot. We journeyed yeah. from circa 100 BC to, when was it, 1797? Uh, well, the Grimm's, I guess, 1812. Oh, the yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, Perot was... No, Perot was the 17th century. He was like 1697. Oh, there you go. I got it. It was out by 100 years. So those are the significant milestones in the yeah. written word uh, with Cinderella. But there's still a lot of questions, Adam. <laughs> You're telling me. So naturally, I feel like my temptation or my instinct was to, to search where is Cinderella from? What's the origin? Of Cinderella. Yeah. That earliest example that I shared there is from China. So I thought, is that where it's from? Or is it just by chance that we have an, a surviving document documenting Cinderella? Yeah. Happens to be from there. And if, if not, if it doesn't come from China, where does it come from then? Mm. But also, Adam, what even is Cinderella? How do we define the tale? Uh, and what is it about? To delve deeper... I decided to contact Dr. Jamie Tarani of Durham University. Ah, actual friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we interviewed Dr. Tarani last year about his work applying techniques used in the natural sciences to trace the origins of folktales. That was very uh, fascinating. So yeah. Trees, hierarchical trees. Yeah, phylogenetics it was that called, was wasn't it. it? Yes. It's like evolutionary biology, Geniology, basically. yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, Jamie got back to me uh, and he directed me to his student, Jessica Martini, who wrote her PhD on Cinderella. Oh, wow. Under Dr. Tarani's supervision. Perfect person to get in touch with then. Yeah, so she, ex exactly. So she wrote her PhD on Cinderella and its variants using quantitative evolutionary methods. Oh, fantastic. And Jessica has been of invaluable help. So I'm going to keep this as, as simple as possible. Thank you. <laughs> but class is in session. Adam. Okay. Am I about to learn some things? So sit up straight. Okay. You're going to have to pay attention. I'm sat up straight. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I think I'm ready. So first of all, defining Cinderella. Okay. Normally in Grim Reading, we go ATU classification. Sure. Which is uh, the standard taxonomy of categorizing folktales by narrative motif, right? Yeah. So how would we explain that better? Because that was not very clear. I thought that was very clear. Oh, thank you. Um, if a story is given a, an ATU number, within that bracket, you will find other stories from around the world that are very similar, essentially. An ATU type will have a sentence like, this is what happens in this type of story. Old man drops some cheese. And then you can find <laughs> all the old men dropping cheese stories all around the world, right? Yeah, that's definitely not confused matters. <laughs> <laughs> So, the ATU classification of Cinderella. Yeah. Cinderella is type 510, the persecuted heroine. Right. But within that type, you have 510A and 510B. Yeah. 510A is Cinderella and 510B is Thousand Furs. But we mentioned that earlier. Yes, you sort of trailed that <laughs> earlier in the episode. Okay, we're touching on Thousand Furs then. Yes, because they are very similar stories. And in that episode we did a few years ago now, I referred to Thousand First as Cinderella's Twisted Cousin. Which, if you remember that episode, has uh, more meanings than we'd care to 
uh, entertaining. Let's not even go there. So yeah, in Thousand Furs, I mentioned Yes Yen, the Chinese story mm. that we've just heard. And I hypothesized, wantonly... Uh, <laughs> it's out of control. <laughs> that Yes Yen travelled from China, split in two, <laughs> and became Cinderella and Thousand Furs. Right. Looks like I was very wrong about that. Mm, interesting. As we'll see. But anyway, yeah, so that's ATU has 510, the persecuted heroine, and then you've got A and B, Cinderella and Thousand Furs. Yeah. Uh, however, for her research, Jessica used a different classification system. Okay. The Finnish folklorist Anna Ruth identified five Cinderella tale types. So I'm going to go through them here. Oh. So these are the five types of Cinderella as identified by Ruth. Yeah. That Jessica used in her research. Okay. Okay, so there's going to be type A, type B, type AB, type BI, and type C. Don't worry, it's less confusing than it sounds. I'm glad. Type A. Okay, in one sentence, this is what happens in type A stories. Persecuted orphan girl. Mm -hmm. Talking magic animal helps girl complete impossible task. Nice. Animal killed. Bones grow tree. Magic fruit leads to salvation. And that's just type A. That's just type A. Okay. Okay. And to be fair, the first two types are the most important ones. We've had one of those already this episode. Which was the bone one? That was the beginning of Yes Yen. Okay. Okay. I'm really worried this is going to get very confusing. But basically, basically, (laughs) yeah, it's it's a girl uh, has a talking animal friend whose dead bones grow into a tree. Yeah. However, in this type, that tree produces a fruit that either gives her riches or she like gives the fruit to a, a prince and then she marries the prince. Yeah. Uh, that's found in Europe and Asia. Type B. Okay. This is the classical Cinderella of the Grimm's and Perrault. Right. Persecuted orphan girl. Mm-hmm. Pre- prevented from joining ball. Check. Magical helper completes impossible tasks so she can attend ball. Flocks of birds, yeah. Meets Prince, runs home but leaves Slipper. Prince searches for Slipper's owner and the two are reunited. Step family punished. Check, check and check, yeah. That is also found in Europe and Asia. Although originally researchers didn't think you found this story in Asia. But you do. Uh, Interesting. So those are the main two types. Then we have type AB. This is Yes Yen, that Chinese story. Right. It's an amalgamation of story A and story B. Okay. So it starts with A, the magical talking animal friend that gets killed. Yeah. And then the bones that you take home. Yeah. But then it turns into going to the ball and the slipper thing, losing the shoe. We lose the whole uh, fruit in the tree. Yeah. Exactly. Then we get type BI. Yeah. Now this is where you're really (laughs) confusing me. It's thousand furs, basically. Okay. So it's, instead of an evil stepmother and stepsisters, it's the father wants to marry the daughter. And that causes her to flee, yeah. disguised as an animal. Yeah. I won't go into any more depth there. No, it's no, thousand no. furs. <laughs> yeah. And then type C is the same as type A, except the main character is a boy. Oh, interesting. Persecuted twist. by his stepmother. Are, interesting. Does that, are we, are we good? Yeah, we're good. So in type C then... Oh, and so into oh yeah yeah yeah. So type yeah. C is like type A, so it doesn't have the ball and the slipper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're good. We're good. Okay. Ish. <laughs> uh, so it differs from the ATU categorization. Mm-hmm. 
But talking to Jessica, it's very hard to define all these tales. These, these Cinderella's are all very similar. The ones that folklorists collect, they're very similar, but slightly different. Mm. So there are lots of different ways you can attempt to categorize them. Yeah. Which, you know, I thought was interesting. We've gone basically a step deeper than the ATU here. I know. It's been a real sort of trusty friend of the podcast. And now we're saying there's another system. Especially for Cinderella, one of the like most widespread fairy tales. The, the ATU touch just isn't going to cut it. It's not going to cut it, Adam, mm. tonight. Um, so, okay. So, so that's the d- definition. Yeah. Uh, on the origins of Cinderella, so where does it come from? I asked Jessica... Uh, you know, what's the relationship between these tales? Mm-hmm. Was one type of those Cinderella's first and did the others branch off it? Right. And also, you know, was Yesien the earliest one? And if so, is Cinderella of Chinese extraction originally? Yeah, yeah. And Jessica said there are two theories to the origin of type AB. So, okay. Which is Yesien, okay. which is an amalgamation of the other two types, yeah. right? So theory one as to where Yesien comes from. Okay, theory one. Is that it's a missing link between type A and type B. So there's type A uh, and, you know, maybe it travels to Europe and then type B emerges, which Mm. is Cinderella. Yeah. And so Yesien is sort of in the middle. It's a missing link as the story evolves and splits into another story. Yeah. That's theory one. Okay, interesting. Theory two is that Yesien type is a hybrid of distinct tale types A and B. Yeah. So Cinderella that we know, type B, didn't come from type A. It's completely separate. They're two different stories. Yeah. And Yesien is a hybrid of the two of them that have just mashed up together. Yeah, yeah. Are you following me? Yeah, yeah. So it's like a mashup, yeah. And Jessica and Jamie's analysis apparently confirmed the second hypothesis. Oh, interesting. It's a hybrid. So examples of type A and type B predate this uh, story which we've already forgotten the name of in China. <laughs> yes, Yen. Yes, Yen. Which we're uh, definitely pronouncing wrong. Yeah. And I'm God, sorry. we're on such thin ice here, aren't we? So sorry. Um, um, someone has mashed them together. Yeah, but I think the point, I think the point Jessica's trying to make to me is like, not just someone's mashed them together, like probably multiple times. Yeah. There are multiple examples of them merging and disentangling and then re-emerging yeah, and then yeah. merging with other types. Like, it's so complicated. Yeah. But yeah, they have joined together. Two separate tail types joining together. Interesting. To quote from the paper, uh, Jessica's PhD, the recombination of elements from A and B is likely to have occurred more than once. Right. Perhaps multiple times in various regions where types B and A have come into contact or coexist. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that rules out the possibility that we can say, oh, there's this type of story that morphed into the Cinderella that we know. They're yes. actually separate. And they've just, like, got together and created a Yesien story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, I don't want to drag you off course, but, uh, so Thousand First was a separate type. That was B.I., was it? Very good. Top marks, Adam. Okay. You're, so you're top I, of the class tonight. I was trying to... And you're the only person in the class. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By default, but I'm happy to be there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you didn't have a job. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this class. <laughs> so your claim then, I was trying to like reverse engineer that and say it's almost the opposite, but that's not quite true because essentially Thousand oh. Furs doesn't 
is BI, so it doesn't have really much to do with Yesien at all. Uh, no, well, I asked Jessica about this as well. Uh, so I okay. said, where does Thousand Furs come right, from right, then? Right. Uh, but to make matters more complicated, their analysis showed that type BI, Thousand Furs, split off an early time in the evolution of these stories. Okay. So I don't think she could pinpoint where Thousand Furs emerged from. Right. Uh, and that actually, <laughs> there are two types of story within type BI. Oh just goodness. to make it There's more layers painful. within layers within layers so unfortunately what this means is uh they were not able to conclude where cinderella comes from oh no in fact the research showed that there are multiple faces of cinderella mm. formed from different traditions that all interact across time and cultures whoa so we don't know where it comes from or even they come from depending yeah. on how you define it so the further you delve into this, the more complicated and diffuse it becomes. And you know, I inferred that we can't even narrow down the continent that it's likely to come from. We can't even really fully define the, the tale either. Yeah. Which is ama it's amazing because, you know, last year, Red Riding Hood, we had our Red Riding Hood episode. Yeah. Dr. Tarani said, yeah, they're fairly certain it came from the West. Yeah. The Smith and the Devil, which we talked about in our interview with him, they could trace that 6,000 years ago to a specific region in the Caucasus. Yeah. But with Cinderella, we just can't be sure at all. That's like the, the biggest story with the greatest mystery. Yeah. Matt, you're blowing my mind. Ah, oh, that's what I aim to do. The, the way you describe all these different versions of Cinderella across time and space. Are you okay? It's like the Christopher Nolan film or something. Oh. My brain's broken. Have I broken your brain? It just happened. Oh, boy. <laughs> it just happened. Um, that is fascinating. Is it? It really is. Did it make sense? Yeah, it did make okay. sense. I'm glad. But also, I'm I'm comfortably aware that I don't understand some of it. I oh, understand yeah. enough, I think. Well, I mean, me too. I mean, Jessica, if you're listening, and I made an absolute meal of that, <laughs> I am so sorry. Um, and we, you know, maybe here we might insert a kind of apology or something in the future. <laughs> but that's that was my understanding of it. And she was really um, patient in oh. explaining the research to well, me. Well, thank you so much. In terms I could understand, yeah. Yeah, fantastic to share, presumably, a lot of hard work yeah. um, and expertise with us, with our little podcast. I mean, it doesn't stop there, though. I, uh, I took liberties. I asked Jessica more questions about Cinderella. One of the most burning ones for me is what, why is this the most popular mm. folk tale of all time, arguably? And, and what is the heart of the story? What is it about, essentially? Okay. And Jessica gave me a really brilliant answer. Oh, fantastic. So I'll, 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 I'll read you her response, uh, sort of a bridged version of her response. Fantastic. So Jessica said, even though in Western countries... We might be used to thinking of Cinderella as a naive and passive girl, especially due to the Disneyfication of the tale. Cinderella remains a long-standing tradition with a complexity that is one of a kind. As I've just explained. <laughs> yeah. In the tales I've read and analysed, Cinderella is not a heroine that remains passive in front of adversity, simply waiting for a dress to be sewn by mice. She doesn't merely receive help, but does something to make it happen. Mm. Jessica then shares like, examples from around the world showing that yeah in all these instances she acts upon life 
She is the maker of her own story and her happily ever after. I think that the power of Cinderella's stories lies in the fact that even in a situation of powerlessness, when our freedom and agency have been stripped away by society or our own family, we can take them back. We can fight for our desires, and even though our actions may seem insignificant, they will ultimately change the course of our destiny. Beautiful. Yeah. And inspiring. Yeah. Very inspirational. So, I yeah. couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. And I think that is why, essentially more than any other reason, though there's a few reasons, that's why, mm-hmm. out of all the versions we touched on, my favourite's the Grimm's. She's great. She's she's really fully in control. Even though, as, as Jessica said, she's not. Uh, essentially, she's... Mm. Uh, you know, Powerless. subjugated yeah. and, and yeah. Or seemingly, yeah. Yeah. She she takes control. And uh, mm-hmm. I love that. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, you you know, you think of Cinderella as like the passive heroine when waiting for Prince Charming. Yeah. But actually, it's a story of a resourceful, tough girl who, with a little help from mum, yeah. breaks out of her prison and betters her a lot. And then even when she does... She's got Prince chasing her. She doesn't want to know. She's running away. Not interested, Prince. Good for her. I'm climbing the pear tree. dismissed <laughs> I can go <laughs> and that's the story of the story oh no Adam you can't you can't go just yet because we need to give this story a score a score when we finish reading a story we give it a mark out of 10 each for a possible maximum score of 20 yes Adam what do you think I loved it I really loved it and do you know what? The, this this story had a lot of pressure on it, right? We hand-selected it to be the closing story of Volume 1 of Kinder and Housemark. Yeah, right? I mean, not knowing the contents, but yeah. No, having a vague idea because it is so famous, mainly because of the Disney version, what have you. So there was a lot of pressure on it and it could easily have not lived up to the hype that we created. The fact that it, despite all of that, it shone is testament to what a great story that is. Mm-hmm. It really did. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Mm. I love the, the Brothers Grimm version. Uh, I love the character of Cinderella. Um, I love a mad one. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be right not to drop the catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, we've got to say that. There were some mad bits in there. I mean, there were plenty of mad bits in there. Oh, Can I just rattle off some of them? Please do. Every single bird in the world went in the house. That was weird. Um, she grew a twig into a tree, which then had a bird perched on it that could drop everything that she wanted. Yeah. Her dad hacked a pigeon house to pieces and a tree down because he wanted to catch her. That's weird. Her stepsisters got blinded on a wedding day. Yeah. By two pigeons. Does she go around for the rest of her life with two pigeons on her shoulders? I guess she does. Yeah, definitely. That's weird. Pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> Of all the birds. Of all the birds. She's got a couple of pigeons. Um, 
slicing the heels and big toes off. How could... Oh, I forgot that. And then riding off with them while they're, like, bleeding out on the back of the horse. <laughs> and before a pigeon tells you, yeah. mate, that's not your look, true bride. Look behind you. Look at the foot. <laughs> Just follow the trail of blood back, yeah. back to the house. She must have been, honestly, like a mile down the road, she must have been losing consciousness. Come on. <laughs> He's like, I can't wait for us to be married, my dear. You? Hello? Are, are you awake? It's like... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I'm drifting in and out of consciousness. <laughs> Do you mind if we have a lie down <laughs> when we get fair. back? I'm not feeling great. Uh, I hope you don't want to dance at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It's so good. It's oh, so good. I'm so glad because I worried that you wouldn't actually get on with it. What made you think that? Well, I, maybe because there's a lot of... There's a lot of repetition, I guess. There's the mm. lentil business. There's <laughs> there's the ball going back and forth. Then there's the sort of stuff that doesn't make sense. Like, as you say, the, uh, oh, she, you know, spoke to the pigeons and they threw stuff down to her. Yeah. Oh, there's my girlfriend's up a tree. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to hack it up with an axe. Yeah. Like, I thought that stuff might just be a bit like, what? I don't really, yeah. it makes it hard to follow possibly. But I, I mean, I was wrong. It works. It worked. It definitely came alive uh, tonight, I think. Yeah. Oh, it definitely did. We were both uh, ready for that story, I think. I was cheering for Cinderella. I was angry at her dad. I was loving it when the sisters got their comeuppance in an insane way. You know, I, I even quite like the, I like, I like the Basile one. We obviously didn't go into it yeah. too much, but it's, it's, it's more of an adventure, yeah. which is great fun. And the Perot one as well. It's kind of twinkly and sugary and it's a different take on it but it's, it's good uh, it's a good story and i'm pretty sure over the years we've been doing the podcast every now and then so, like a listener in a message or something has mentioned cinderella and sort of been like you guys are going to enjoy it ah. or it's a weird one or it's it's got some dark bits in there uh and they were right they were so right <laughs> Um, I mean, in a way, it's perfect, isn't it? Because it is Cinderella, recognisably, but yeah. it's also, you know, when people say, oh, aren't the original fairy tales, like, really dark and yeah. horrible? This is like, what they're thinking of. This is exactly yeah. what they're thinking of. Taking a, a story that people are familiar with yeah. on a Disney level, and it's got dark bits and weird bits. Cranking up that violence. Oh. Ending with a blinding, literally. <laughs> <laughs> that ending, ending was blinding in so many ways um what a way to end a story and volume one and series five mate we've done it we've done it there's two volumes of the brothers grim stories yeah we've finished volume one how do you feel because if you feel anything like me it's a little bit bittersweet isn't it i feel great okay (laughs) i'm so glad uh yeah, it's it's weird. It's a weird feeling. Maybe we can ruminate more on this in our next episode. We will so, do. as you say, this was the last story in uh, of series five, but we're going to have a roundup episode wrap where up. we oh. series wrap up. I don't actually know what we call it. What do, do we call I? it? How do we? How long have we been doing this? <laughs> I don't know, I know. Yeah, we'll do a series wrap up, and we can talk about it there. But yeah, I do. I it felt it felt weird coming round to your castle tonight. Yeah, I was sort of reminiscing about. Five years ago when we yeah. started. Coming to my previous castle. Yeah. What uh, what did we know back then? L- less than nothing. <laughs> yeah, basically. And now we just know nothing. Yeah. 
come a long way. <laughs> we should be proud of ourselves for that. I still have to give this a score out of ten. You can't. You can't. I can't try get. Out. You can't, can't get away get from it. it. I see what you're doing. But <laughs> better score this boy. Well, I mean, I could tell you your thousand first score, or would you rather just sort of? I'm, go I've got a number up. in mind, and I'm really scared. <gasps> I mean, this is the last chance I've got to do this. <gasps> okay, sorry. Yeah. For volume one. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get your hopes up too high, Matt. Okay. okay. This is not my final judgment. We can. I'll, I will say it, and then we can talk about it. But um, I think I want to give this a nine. Okay. I don't know if you thought I was going to say 10. I did for a split second. You did. 10 still feels so extreme to me. Yeah. I don't know what a 10 would be. I don't know. I don't, I just don't know. It's okay. Maybe this is a 10. I don't know, Adam. Help. (laughs) No, it's just calm down. Everybody calm down. Let's just calm down. Okay, okay, okay. It's just a lot of pressure. Adam, I feel like you loved this story. I really did. I feel like you loved it. And there's a lot wrapped up in... I know we keep talking about it and actually maybe you don't care which is fair enough but like it is the last story we've read in volume one and it does feel momentous and so putting so much pressure on yourself I am why am I putting so it's (laughs) like it's so unimportant (laughs) it literally means nothing in all of our lives it means absolutely nothing (laughs) it's so arbitrary (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have invited all the the sort of servants and workers in your castle, and oh, they are—they're literally just outside the oh. door. They're all listening, so you know it's a lot of pressure for people in Grimland, and yeah, it's a big deal. It is a big deal, and I hope I don't let everyone down. I'm going to give a nine point five. I'm You're, doing it. He's I'm, doing it. I'm doing it. You're giving your highest ever score. That's amazing. I think you should. Be proud of that score. Okay, that I'm proud of it. Okay. I'm proud of it. Own it. I've dwelt on it long enough. What do you want to score it, Matt? Let's put some pressure on you. Well, I'm shocked. Okay. <laughs> at how much you loved this story. Okay. I'm thrilled. I'm over the moon. Good. Because I, I was a bit worried that it was a bit of a damp squib to end on. Mm. But it's... It was a massive firework instead. 100%. So I'm feeling good about it. Mm. I love that we got to go on this uh, classic famous story journey where we go from like some obscure origin and then we go via Basile and Perot. Yeah. Got to do that again. Who knows when we'll get to do that again. The mystery of its origins. I at once, I, I like the mystery of it. Yeah. But also find it very frustrating. Where does this story come from? What is this story? You like to wrap things up neatly and we, we haven't been able to do that today. And even the Grimm source, we don't even mm. have. It's kind of full so of mystery. Many questions. Um, but there's only one question right now. What score do I get? Yeah, this is the main one. I don't think I'm going to go... I don't even think I'm going to go nine. As I say, in the build-up to this, I was thinking, oh, is this not actually going to be a great one to end on? So I'm so glad it okay, it good. was good. But I'm still not... Like When I think about my favourites, I think... Of the sort of famous ones. I definitely think Rapunzel, Red Riding Hood, Hansel and Gretel. I don't think for me it's quite up there with those ones. Um, So I kind of don't want to give it a nine because I kind of gave those Mm. ones nines. So I'm thinking of probably about an 8.5. Okay. Respect. Well, I mean, very respectable. Yeah. Eight or an 8.5, I think. Okay. He's dropping. I'm, I'm feeling good. 
I'm going to give it an 8.5. Excellent. 8.5 and a 9.5, which makes it 18 out of 20. Does it? It yes. certainly does. And it shoots over its twisted cousin, Thousand Furs, which got 16.5. It's a pretty high score. That is a high score. I think that was an excellent one to close volume one, one on. Yeah. How you feel? Think- Are you okay? Are you feeling good? I've, it's been a rollercoaster of emotions, but I've settled oh, on yeah. the fact that I think that's an appropriate score. Well, all your servants outside gave a massive round of applause. Oh, we could hear them you. through the walls, yeah. through the castle walls. Oh, thank goodness. But I shall see you soon for our Series 5 wrap-up episode. Yes. Where we will look at the winners and losers of the series and uh, some other bits and bobs too. A little bit of story stats. A little bit of story stats. Love it. I'm looking forward to that. Well, until then, cheers. Cheers. Here's to the end of Volume 1. Here's to the end of Volume 1. Cheers. Cheers and our teas. I, uh... I think I better hit the dusty trail. I think you should. Um, it's getting late. I shall uh, on my on my ride home. I shall be uh, contemplating the origins of, of Cinderella, the mystery mm. of her origins. Let us know if you come to any uh, <laughs> gripping conclusions. I can comfortably say that I won't. But uh, <laughs> if anyone wants sort of another spin on Cinderella, go have a listen to uh, Vasilisa the Beautiful. Sort of. Uh, Halloween version. Yeah, that's a fun episode. And for everyone out there in Grimland and beyond, Mm -hmm. please, 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 for Mm -hmm. goodness sake, keep it grim. Keep it grim, everyone. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. <laughs>